everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. How we doing? Doing good. You're looking great this morning. Good morning, our beautiful city fam. I'm so glad that you're here with us. If you're here for the very first time, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us. Perhaps you're here because you heard about the wonderful bounty that would be awaiting you after the service. If you could just endure for however long it would be. And perhaps you came this morning and you had no idea that you were fixing to get blessed. We're glad that you're here this morning. Today we continue in a series that we are in called Prove It, where we are walking through the book of 1 John. Last week we began in the very first four verses of John, and one of the things that uh, we were exploring, particularly understanding the background of these writings, is that John wrote a series of these epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in this, we see some specific themes that he is hitting on as he is writing to help the church, the early church at this time, navigate through some of the shaking and quaking of the spiritual and cultural opposition that they were dealing with, not just opposition outside of the church, but even some uh, dysfunction within uh, the church with some of the members that were in the church. And one of the foundational things that he was establishing in the first four verses reminding them and helping them fortify their faith and their theology was that it's all about Jesus. Say that with me. It's all about Jesus. Let's say it together. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's establishing this and helping to remind us that this is not, this is not just something that a handful of people got together and made up, that Jesus himself He has been revealed. He is who he says he is. He is the Lord and the Savior, the King and the Rescuer. He did what he said he would do. He lived the life, the perfect life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place. And he rose victoriously three days later over sin, death, and the grave. That's who he is. It's in him that we have eternal life. It's in him that we don't have temporary joy, but that our joy is made complete. Amen? Today we continue in chapter 1, but we're going to expand on verses 5 through 10. And it's here where Apostle Paul basically gets up in our grits a little bit. And he is going to lay down some very clear statements to help us understand what it really looks like to walk in the light. Oh, you think you're walking in the light. Cool, cool, cool. Prove it. Prove it. We claim, you claim to have a walk with God. You claim to walk in the light, but can we prove it? And I want to help us understand this morning that the way we handle our sin is evidence of our relationship and our commitment to God. So let's read our text today. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. You can look up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. 
says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I love that John is not operating in some passive-aggressive Midwestern tactics. He's just saying, uh, let's call it like it is. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is such good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Today I want to unpack this statement. A life in the light is confirmed by our confession, not our cover-up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made yourself known to us, that you have revealed yourself, that you have pursued us, and you pursue us with light, not to condemn, not to shame, but to free us to reveal our brokenness that you came to restore. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that this morning as we unpack your word that you would illuminate it, that you would bring revelation. Lord, I know that an argument or smooth speech is not going to actually transform any life in here. It is your power. It is your, you revealing yourself to them and opening our eyes to your truth that's going to do that work. And so, God, would you do what only you can do this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning, we're actually going to go verse by verse. It's a little bit different than what we would normally do, uh, sometimes in the structure of our message. But I want to break this down like this because I love how Apostle John presents this. So we're going to start in verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. When he is saying this is the message we have heard from him, the him is referring to Jesus. He established in the first four verses, it's all about Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the foundation. He sets the tone. He was not just an imaginative figure. He was real. The apostle John was appealing to the people that he was speaking to, and he was saying, hey guys, uh, this gospel that we're preaching, I just didn't hear it from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend's cousin baby's mama. I knew him. I talked with him. I walked with him. I ate with him. I fellowship with him. Not only was I with his mother watching him being crucified, but I went to the tomb and saw that it was empty. And when he revealed himself as the resurrected Christ, I touched the wounds in his hands and his side, and I saw that he was who he says he was. So he's saying this person, this real person who is who he says he is, this is what he says about his father. This is what he says about God. He says God is Light, not just a light, not just uh, the light, though he is both, but he is light. Scripture uses this term light 
to connotate knowledge or purity and prosperity and happiness and truth. And he's all of those things. But there's a specific reason why I believe and we see historically that Apostle Paul was making this statement. One of the things, again, one of the main focuses of this book and this really this message to the church was to help strengthen their foundation and ground their theology. One of the most important things that you've got to hear this morning that we have to understand about believers is that people are fickle creatures. Humans, we are swayed by our emotions and our feelings and trying to do all that we can to either cover up or or uh, enable our brokenness. And so we are destined to get off course, just like if you set a boat in, in a lake or the ocean, over time the waves, just by, just by being in the water, are going to cause you to go adrift. That's why you need an anchor. You need something to hold you in place that is a fixed point. And what he is establishing here is he is helping them grasp the fact that God is light. We see that God himself has revealed himself in this way throughout Scripture. So he's not just pointing to the present time. He's actually pointing to historical precedent of how God has revealed himself in time. We see in Exodus, in the Exodus account, where God revealed himself or revealed himself to Moses in way of a burning bush. He led the people of God out of prison, out of captivity as a fire, as a pillar of fire. He revealed himself in the temple as fire and bringing light, bringing direction, showing them the way out of slavery. One of the things that light does is light exposes the darkness. I love that the psalmist says, even the darkness can hide nothing from you. When the light of God shines, it exposes things. It's, it's amazing how something can look one way when the light is bad, and then all of a sudden you shine a spotlight on it, and you're like, oh, I didn't know I looked like that when I walked out. I know there's been times, I've told you guys this before, it's like, you know, when, when I was a bachelor and we had like five dudes living in like a two-bedroom apartment, that means one guy was sleeping on the couch. Uh, you know, a lot of times it was a lot easier to like get ready in the morning with, with the lights out because you didn't want to turn on the lights because when we turn on the lights, we realize how bad the tiles looked and we're like, I don't want to clean it. it. The light exposes things. It reveals things. And so we see, particularly in the writings of John and the gospel of John and the epistles of John, one of the things that the light brings is truth. It reveals truth. It reveals what is right, what is good, what is holy. Part of why it does this is because it doesn't just say that God is light, but it says in him is no darkness at all. Amen. None. There's no guile. There's no darkness. There's no deception. He is pure light. He is the truth. He is the way. He reveals the ultimate purpose of all things that we are to walk in. And he is the one that bears that. Now, the other significance to this in this moment is that one of the issues that had been happening in the church was that we see kind of the early stages of what would become Gnosticism. This branch of spirituality, which essentially one of their main tenets is this sense of being enlightened just by knowledge and information or, or appealing to the divine light and allowing your divine light to guide you. Allowing this feeling, this changing, these 
whatever you come to the understanding of to be the determining factor of what is the course of your life. And so he is wanting to help ground again the saints to understand, one, God is light. He is our anchor. Do you hear me this morning? He is our anchor. He is our truth. And in him there is no guile. So then he continues with this because we recognize that he's helping us to have this foundation because there's an issue. There's a problem. You see, we can't both walk in light if he truly is light and has no darkness in him. We cannot walk in the light and also walk in the darkness at the same time. Verse 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. When John uses the word walk, this is a Semitic idiom, and it presents this this idea that the religious life, the walk of faith, is not merely a matter of spiritual reflection or intellectual persuasion, but it's actually a comprehensive, holistic way of being and living and walking. See, within this this, uh, sect of Gnosticism, there's a duality where there's the spiritual things that God cares about, and then there is, are the carnal things. And all things of this world are bad. Even they, they would participate sometimes in self-mutilation because it was seen that the physical is bad. The spiritual is all that God cares about. And so they would paint this duality where, you know what, God only cares about your spiritual life, but everything else, you just live any other kind of way that you want to. What Paul is helping them understand is that is not the way that it is. In fact, it's a lie. It's a lie. Y'all hear me this morning? I know we're just going to talk real plainly. He's just saying, you can't walk in light and dark. And then he says, just in case you're wondering, it's a lie. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. It's a lie. He goes even further. The verb that he uses when it's translated in the Greek, when it talks about practicing the truth, it actually translates as do. He says, if you're living in this kind of way, you cannot do, you are incapable of doing truth. It completely comes at and just completely debunks the concept of live your truth. You can't live your truth. There is the truth, and then there's a lie. Daggone, Pastor. Why are you getting all up in this? Now, I just want, I know this, this can mess with us, and we're going to unpack it. Don't feel condemnation. I want you to receive this revelation because God wants to set some of you free. But I know we don't like dealing with this because all this, we know that we got stuff that we don't want to come to the light. We love when the worship time comes and we're singing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. We're like, yes, it's who you are. Give it to me. Like we love the tender. We love the affirmation. We love the gentleness of the Lord. But don't deal with my stuff, God. Don't search my heart. At least don't search too deep. You just go, don't go past the living room. Have you ever like had somebody coming over? You know they're coming over, and you, you don't do a deep clean. You just straighten up. <laughs> just straighten up. You take all the laundry that was on the couch, and you just put it in the den or on your bedroom. And you're like, just come this far. <laughs> don't go upstairs. <laughs> 
don't go in that room. No, the coats go over here. <laughs> He's like, search my heart, but not too deep. We got a little video clip. I just love this video clip that'll kind of give us a picture of, of some of this. We got video clip one. There Daddy's home. Come here. Hey. Hey, come here. Come here, mama. Come here, my boobies. Hey. Hey, to the loader. Hey, my boo-boo. Hey, missy. How you doing, booga? Come here. Come here. Hey, you have a good day? Come here. You have a good day? Did you have a good day? Come here, missy. Did you have a good day? Huh? Did you have a good day? Daddy loves you. You have a good day? But who tore my pants up, though? Oh, y'all don't want to talk about that? <laughs> y'all don't want to talk about that? Come here. Come here. Come here, my girls. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man, God, don't mess with our stuff. We don't want to recognize the brokenness. We don't want to recognize our sin patterns. We don't want to recognize these areas of darkness. Now, I know that there's lots of reasons. There's several reasons why we might be re- reluctant to acknowledge or confess or deal with areas of sin in our life. Some one of the issues is a pride issue. It's just pride, man. We just, we have this image of ourself that acknowledging would tarnish. Maybe sometimes it's an issue of us underestimating God's grace and we fear that maybe we've messed up too big to be forgiven. Sometimes I think it's because we're afraid of the judgment of people in the church. What would the church people think? Now, the reality is that, and I know sometimes that we, the church is it's an easy target to try to throw under the bus for judging. But I also, and, and there's a difference between, yes, there can be a spirit that times uh, religious people can come in a, in a spirit of condemnation and a spirit of shaming people, which is not of God. But examining fruit and speaking truth and lifting up the word as the pillar of truth That's what we're called to do. So there's going to be times where we have to give. We have to judge a spirit. We have to judge a thing. And yet, I know that many times we don't confess. We aren't transparent because, oh, man, I don't know what they're going to say. What are they going to think if I raise my hand and I'm a city group leader? And they'll be like, man, I thought you had it all together. Just preview. None of your city groups have it all together. None of your city group leaders, your pastor doesn't have it all together. I'm following Jesus and growing in him and allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with my sin issues just like everybody else in this room. Hallelujah. That okay? Amen. Okay, okay. Thank you for all five of you. All five. <laughs> Bless God. You know, I, I think that for the most of you, and I know many of you in here, for the most part, I think th- there's not too many of us that intentionally wake up and set in our minds that we want to walk in darkness. I would say probably the majority of you in here, you want to foster good relationships. You want to, uh, maybe you're a parent, you want to raise good kids, or you want, you're hoping to, to build a lasting marriage. You want to make a meaningful impact in the world. And yet, we see in the scripture that just being a good person does not make us whole and sanctified. All of us, no matter how sheltered or defiled that you were or were not by your upbringing or your present circumstances, all of us have been stained and have to deal with the brokenness as a result of sin. It doesn't matter whether you woke up this morning with a hymn in your heart or a hangover or both. We all got to deal with this. Now, the problem is, again, we don't necessarily set out Maybe you didn't sit out and say, you know what, I'm just going to walk in darkness today. 
Some of you might have, and I'm glad you came because God's going to break you up today. (laughs) Freedom. But usually what happens, and and I'm going to even just speak to those maybe that you've grown up in church, you've given your life to the Lord at one time. We get in this life, and then we fall. We make a mistake. We fall into an old sin habit. And we default into our old patterns of processing things. That it's not just old for you. It actually goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Where the response to sin wasn't to run to the Father and say, I'm sorry, and confess sin and be restored. It was actually to run and hide and cover up. And we cover up in all kinds of ways. Sometimes we cover up by trying to do more spiritual things. It's kind of an old Catholic mentality where if I've sinned, okay, now I've got to go read five scriptures and say this many Hail Marys, and I've got to, you know, help this, this many grannies across the street and feed this many homeless people at the soup kitchen. And we think that we're going to cover up our sin by our good deeds. It doesn't work. Sometimes we try to cover up and numb ourselves by other, you know, some of the obvious uh, obvious suspects, whether it be alcoholism or drug use or pornography or sexual addiction. Sometimes we try to cover up and we hide in this pattern of, of covering our sin through things like control, codependency, another relationship. And all of these things, even though you wouldn't necessarily put them under the category of living in darkness, what it is doing is anything that we lift up above God becomes an idol. Anything we run to to be our source other than him puts us in a pattern of shame. It's the shame cycle. So we sin, we feel guilt and shame, and so we go back to the thing that we know we shouldn't do, but we do it because we're afraid to go to him. And so it just gets us in the cycle, and over time, What became as one stumble turns into a walk and a continual intentional choice to walk in this. Now, the point, again, is not to shame, but it's to reveal. The beginning of any 12-step plan, recovery plan, is the first step is you must admit you have a problem. This is because it is the denial of the situation or the issue that keeps us trapped indefinitely. There's good news this morning. In verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, when we are walking in the light of God, we actually have the potential and the opportunity to build real authentic relationships with God and one another. Why? Because we don't have to be fake. We can actually grow in the light of God. Do you understand? We are all growing in Christ. Not one person has achieved perfection in this room. Even those that have walked with the Lord for multiple decades compared to somebody you're like, I don't even know if I want to follow him. I just showed up for the chicken. All of us. All (laughs) of us. I just resonated with somebody. Say, hmm, yes. The first amen you've come out with all day. Hallelujah. But when we're walking in the light, we can actually really get to know each other. And one of the things that my mom used to say when we were dating someone, and she was saying, you know, you might want to date, if you're going to date somebody, if you think they're potential, get to know them 
over a year's time. Look at them at all, in all seasons. Because there's only a, 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 an image or a facade of people many times that you see on that first or their second date. You know, this intentional, you're going into it. The whole thing you're going in, you, nobody plans for a date saying, let me wear my team building t-shirt from 1998 to this date. Nobody says, oh, what am I going to wear? What you going to wear, girl? I was thinking about wearing my favorite comfy sweatpants. <laughs> I was just going to do a quick ponytail because, hey, this is me. Love me. I woke up this way. No. You might even go get a new outfit. You might get a couple outfits just so you can pick. You tell yourself, well, I'm going to take these. Whichever ones I don't go with, I'm going to take them back. You ain't taking them back. I'm taking him back. You need to go to Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I was saying, it's not, it's not real. It's fake. But when we live in the light, we can actually admit, I don't got it all together. I'm walking in this thing like you're walking in this thing. I need Jesus like you need Jesus. And can I tell you something? Is I love that the text doesn't say that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleansed us from all sin. It actually says cleanses us. Why? Because we actually live this thing out like repentance and confession is not just something you did one day and one time in your life. If you're, let me say this way, my daughter Ella, do we have that picture of Ella? Were we able to grab that? If we're able to grab that, let's just throw that up there. Is that a yes? Is that a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Oh, see, look at that sugar mama. I mean, y'all look at them cheeks. I did those pigtails, so just forgive me. You know, it is what it is. One is slightly ahead of the other. And uh, she got a calic. Uh, but that is my, I mean, Ella, Bella, Rosalina, she is just a bundle of love. But let me tell you something. She is like Jasmine from the new live-action Aladdin. She will not be silent. She will not let her brothers have all the fun and run in the woods. She wants to, if they're running in the woods and climbing things and jumping off of the stairs, she wants to run in the woods and climb off of things and jump off of stairs. This week became a monumental thing because she can now jump from four stairs, Daddy. I can jump from four stairs. And she's super excited about it. But the thing that is just so sad and pitiful to me is when I look at my little girl's knees and her legs, they're like scratched up and bruises and scabs because she is going to run, she's going to climb, she's going to jump. And if you do that, you're going to get just scrapes every once in a while. You're going to fall. The other day, she just bit it trying to run outside and chase her brother. They were, she, they're actually trying to chase a lizard, and she just right on the paver and scraped up her knees. Now, it's part of life. It's, it's part of growing. It, if you are living this life out, you are going to fall forward. You are going to come face to face with your own limitations and the areas of brokenness that God is still working on in you. And we have to fight the temptation to be bombarded by shame and condemnation, to just be pushed into hiding or to a cover-up. Can I tell you this morning, there are times where I believe that God in his mercy and his kindness will allow us to experience certain falls so he can illuminate an area that he wants to bring grace to. So that he can illuminate an area and say, hey, I want you to apply the gospel to that. I know you've let me to work on some things, but now it's time to work 
on that. The enemy just wants you to be convinced that God's done with you. You didn't change. You didn't really change. Oh, you thought you got free. Oh, God, he just, he can't stand you. You, you messed up this time. Oh, no, he's not a good, he's just looking at you with angry eyes, those Old Testament angry eyes. Just a couple of days ago, literally just two days ago, Ella fell again. And when she ran, and I just heard it, I just heard the smack of her little hands hit the pavement. She ripped open a previous scab on her knee. And she was screaming bloody murder. And my daddy heart was just aching. Now, can I tell you, do you think that I ran up to her and pointed my angry finger at her and said, what is wrong with you? I bandaged this up already. I told you to stop running. Shame on you. Heck no, I didn't. As soon as I heard the smack, it was like every instinct in me erupted. And I ran over to her and I scooped her up in my arms. And I looked at her wound and I cleansed her wound and I covered her wound and I sent her back running. (laughs) And can I tell you that that is what our God does. When you make mistakes but you're walking in the light, he doesn't walk up to you and go, what's wrong with you? How many times are you going to come down to the altar? What is this, the 15th time in the last year? I dealt with this before. Get out, get out of this crap and stop screwing up. No. He doesn't shame you for your scars. He shows you his. He says, by my stripes you're healed. I was beaten and bruised. My hands were pierced for your iniquity. My side was pierced because I love you. When the enemy comes to condemn you and to shame you because of the scrapes and scars that you carry, you just look to Jesus' scars. Let them remind us Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And I'm so glad that the weight was on him because we couldn't do it. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we're always going to do everything perfect. In fact, the history, history and the gospel have taught us that we actually can't do everything perfect. Can I tell you, you've messed up. You're going to mess up. You, just, you will. If we're just being really honest this morning... You're messed up. You're messed up. Pastor, I thought I was the righteousness of Christ. And, and Christ, I thought, I thought we were all made clean because of Jesus. Yes. Just look at somebody real quick and just say, uh, it is finished. Come on, say it with a little bit more gusto. Say, it is finished. Look at somebody else say, but he ain't done. Now, now, excuse my vernacular for a minute, but I want you to understand something. You see, Christ hung high on the cross for our sins, for our disease, for our brokenness, for our shame. He fully paid the debt of sin when he said it is finished. That was his way of saying paid in full. He paid it all. And yet, Jesus didn't just die to cover the check. He didn't just 
die to cover the check. He rose to conquer death, and he gave and sent his Holy Spirit to teach, counsel, and instruct us on this road to sanctification because he understood it was going to be a process for us to become in the image of God. And I'm so thankful that when the debt of sin was paid for me, he wasn't done with me. Walking in the light is about walking in perfection. It's not, I'm sorry, walking in the light isn't about walking in perfection, but forever pursuing the projection of perfection. I'm going to clarify that. I'm not going to show that video today, so we're just going to skip that for the sake. But what I want you to understand is that there is an art form when it comes to certain art, particularly graffiti, wall art, or murals, called projection mapping. And so what the artists will do is they will have the pre-configured design, and then when they are going to paint it up on a large wall, they will take a projector and they will project the image on that wall, and then over time, they will begin to paint along with the image. And as long as that projection is on the wall, when they finish it, it looks exactly like the intended design. You see, we are not perfect, and walking in the light at times can be overwhelming because when we start to look at our lives, what we feel like is if you're painting that picture with the light off. And you can't see the full thing. We just see a couple lines, maybe a dot here and there, and it doesn't quite look like the finished product, and so we get embarrassed. I don't look like the finished thing. I don't look like the finished work. And so what can be the tendency is we just say, man, I just, I can never do this. And so I'm just going to create a whole nother image. What we have to do is not put the weight of perfection on us, but we want to forever be pursuing his projection of perfection. What has his light illuminated? What has he said in this word? What is my identity in him? Now, I might not be there yet. But if I keep walking towards what he says, I'm going to get there. God, what is it that you say that spiritual community should look like? You know what? We might not be there yet. I sure hope you don't come to City of Lights thinking, man, I guess this is all the church has to offer. Nah. We, have not been the, we are not the perfected church. That one only comes at the end of the book, the end of the story. You look at the book of Revelation, folks are still are getting rebuked all the way up into the end. Why? Because we are being perfected to the end of time. We want to follow his projection. We want to follow in his light. I just want to encourage you, if you particularly, you're here this morning and you have a lot of scars and you got a lot of scar tissue, and you have, you know, is there, are there things that we can do to accelerate our speed and our rate of growth in Christ? Absolutely. Are there patterns, are there things that maybe we allow to linger too long in our lives that, that can slow down or stunt our growth? Yes. But can I just tell you, if you're still in the race, no matter how fast or how slow you're going, like, Give yourselves a hand. You, you, you got to be encouraged. Like, if you're still running the race, you don't have anything to be ashamed of. 
Keep running, sir. Keep running the race, ma'am. There's not an issue with acknowledging that God's not done working on you. The issue becomes when we are just done with him being at work. Let him keep working. Verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So this is why I encourage you not to stop pursuing and walking in it because here's an issue. Is many times when we begin, begin to give up and we get weary of not maybe ever not feeling that sense of accomplishing this or it's continually pushing and calling us to surrender in areas that we don't want to, what we do is we actually walk in deception. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Ignoring our sins is an act of self-deception and is contrary to the truth. I said it before, this sense of, and John said it before, is that you cannot both walk in the light and walk in darkness. It's a lie. The first, if the first rule of fight club is don't talk about fight club, then the first rule of living in sin is there is no sin. Now, the translation for sin is missing the mark. And when you find yourself continually missing the mark, over time you will either make one of two choices. I think you will either, one, make the changes necessary to hit the target, or you'll just do away with the target in the first place. That's not sin. That's just a medical condition. That's not sin. That's just a preference. No one can tell me how to spend my money. No one can tell me what to do with my body. No one can tell me who to love. If we can't measure up to God's target, we're just going to move him out the way altogether. Because being transformed into God's image costs something. So if we don't want to pay that price, we'll just flip it and make God into our, our image. I'll be God. I'll set the mark. Sin? What sin? So we just shoot our arrow in whatever direction that we want to, and wherever it lands, we come over and take out our Sharpie and draw a couple circles around it and go, looks good. And we build our entire lives around dysfunction and deception. Jesus has a plan to do away with sin as well, but it's not through ignoring it, it's through eradicating it. And in order to walk in the light of his glory and grace, we have to recognize that there is a sin, that there is sin that he came to erase. The great prophet Andre 3000 once said it this way, I know you'd like to think your stuff don't stink, but lean a little bit closer. See, your roses really smell like boo-boo. I believe he wrote that in the region of Stankonia. And... Really, the essence of it is this. You can walk around pretending that you haven't sinned or that you are unaffected by the daily aftershocks of sin all you want. You can pretend that the things that you know, that the Holy Spirit. See, that's the thing about this and why I think Paul is, or John is making such a point about it is because folks can point and shake their finger at the church for judging all they want to. But the way the Holy Spirit works you didn't need anybody to tell you that that was wrong. You don't need one church mother or one person in a church to look at you and tell you that what you are in is not what you were intended to be about. Because you sense it. 
the Holy Spirit many times whispers it. That's why it stings extra when a human with flesh comes on and calls us out about it. And so what we either try to do is demonize them, shut them down, yell at them, castigate them, call them every name in the book. You're just full of hate. You're full of this. You're full of that. Because we want to shut them up because the truth is piercing the darkness. No matter how you try to numb the sting of sin, it will linger. No matter how much you try to cover up the stain of sin, it will spread wider. And no matter how diligently you try to weave a web to cover up your tracks and trails of brokenness so that no one else will know your shadow side, just when you think you've mastered the art of managing your own sin, you will find that you have become more entangled in an even deeper prison than the one you've been avoiding. We cannot cover up and manage these areas of brokenness. At some point, if you want to truly experience real freedom and real healing, if you want to come into a realization, a revelation of your true identity, if you want to really, truly be overwhelmed by the never-ending reckless love of God, you're going to have to recognize that there is sin, that there is darkness, but the light and the grace and the mercy of God is so much greater. I know that sometimes it hurts to walk in the light when you've been living in darkness. You ever been in a dark movie or, you know, a, a dark room for a long time and all of a sudden you step outside and it's just like bright light, bright light. You shield your eyes. Turn off the lights or if somebody wakes you up early in the morning during the wintertime when the sun hadn't come up. And they flip the light on. Ah, ah. It hurts. That's why I think there's so many violent comments on comment sections when somebody drops a truth bomb because it's so countercultural to the world that we're in and darkness has been so rampantly spread and has multiple retweets and follows. False images of religiosity just like what's happening here when John is writing to the church. See, the challenge that we face today that they didn't face then is that John was writing these three letters to this church, and there was somewhat of a containment just because the Internet was not around yet. Here, heresy and false doctrine can get spread at light speeds. And we don't have it in most of our regular rhythm of our awareness to actually take something that just sounds spiritual but is actually false doctrine? How many times have you gone to an Instagram post or a tweet or a Facebook post that sounded spiritual? People are like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for somebody to say that. Say it to the people in the back. And actually go to the Word and say, oh, it actually doesn't say that at all. Oh, it actually says the opposite of that. Huh. No, usually what we do is we just co-sign and like, and we form this false narrative in our minds that we don't even realize it, but we were like the frog that was cooked over time because the water seemed okay. I mean, I'm, I'm used to being in water, but we didn't realize that we were in poison. 
And then it gets to the point where we get so used to feeding off of that and living off that, when we actually hear the truth, we're like, what are you doing judging people? Like, no, it's, it's actually the word. You, you have a Bible. Take it out of your pocket every once in a while. Just open it. Read it beyond two verses. Dig into it. Look, look, go even look at a, you know, concordance or open up a commentary or look at people beyond those that co-sign your view or your brand of Christianity and see what the text was saying so that we can truly walk in the light. That's why I know my goal today is not just to, you know, I expect that fully some of this word, it stings. It, it, it does. When I put Neosporin on my daughter's knee or, or you put something on to disinfect or to prevent infection, it stings. You get a fresh lineup. You know that they're going to put that alcohol on the back of your head. You're just bracing so you don't have that one thug tear come down. You're like, Because mm. it stings. But it also sanitizes. It cleanses. He says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Kayla, come on up, please. Charles Spurgeon says this, and I love what he says about this verse. He says, oh, those words, and more especially the glorious word, all. This must include the vilest sin that has ever stained human nature, the blackest grime that ever came from the black heart of man. There is no depth of darkness that can escape the dynamic brilliance of the forgiveness of Jesus. He doesn't just forgive. I love that he says he is faithful to forgive. It's what he does. Psalm 32, 5 says this, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Acts 3.19.20 has this exhortation. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When God, who is light, is bringing light to illuminate, to shine in our situation, it's not to, sh- it's not to shame, it's to rescue It's not to condemn you, it's to come and bring you into a place of wholeness and healing. If you had sickness in your body, if you had cancerous cells, if you had a disease, you would not want to go to a doctor who would just overlook those things and be like, man, looks good to me, go see Billing, we'll schedule you for something later. No, 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 it would be wrong for him to do that. It would be cruel for him to do that. You go to the doctor so they can say, hey, this is the issue, but here's a solution. And so the great physician, he stands before you today and says, hey, come to me. Let me illuminate your life, not just in a moment. I want to walk with you. See, I don't want to just call you to a moment where you come down to the altar. Maybe you're moved by the music or maybe something I said resonated with you. And so for a moment, 
You walk out of solitary confinement to see what it's like to live in the light, to say a couple confessions, and then you walk right back into the hole of shame and despair and condemnation when you get home. I want to call us into a marathon, a daily commitment of humility, a daily walk where are there going to be days where you're going to scrape your knees and fall and make mistakes? Absolutely. Are there going to be days where God calling you to die to yourself and surrender certain areas and patterns of brokenness is going to hurt like hell? Absolutely. Are there going to be days you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it? Yes. What a great pitch, right? But yet, his grace is greater. His love is stronger. And I believe if we will humble ourselves, not being concerned about what everybody else thinks all the time, not being concerned about projecting an image of ourselves, but we'll come before the Lord and like the old hymn says, cry out to him, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Come, bless me now, my Savior. I come to you. If we can have that posture, I know that he who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, he will do just that. He will refresh you. He won't just look at your wound. He will cleanse it. He will cover it. And he will send you out to continue walking with him daily. Verse 10 says, if we Say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Can we learn how to walk in honesty with God and with one another? In just a moment, we're going to break. We're going to set up tables and chairs, and we're going to sit with each other. We're going to eat some good food. I'm already excited about getting some of this buffalo chicken dip. Thank you, brother, for making that. But can we fight the urge to just project some fake image of each other? Now, I'm not saying, like, just sit down and, like, life vomit on people and just tell them every issue and all your issues you have with your husband who's sitting right next to you, like, all these things. But, but can we choose to just walk in humility and honesty and transparency? Can we, can we take a moment between bites to actually sit and listen, to have empathy to pray with one another if that's what's needed. Like I, I want us, I don't want this just to be something that we hear and then we just walk out and we live a whole different way. A life in the light is proven by our confession, not our cover-up. Let's learn together how to walk in the light. He is in the light. I want to take a moment before we close to have a time of confession before the Lord. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. And uh, I'm just believing God's going to bring many into his light. Just go ahead and bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here. God, you are light. And I just even trust, even as your word has been preached today, that you have graciously come to illuminate lives in this room. I believe every life. Not to shame, not to condemn, but to bring into freedom. 
Lord, we don't need to cover up. We can come before you. It's you who have the only suitable covering for us, the precious blood of Jesus. So right now, wherever you are, if you're here and you know that you've been caught in that shame cycle, you've been caught in this perpetual walk of darkness, and even though there's a part of you that you see the light and maybe you even believe the light, you find yourself torn between this duality. You're tired of living a lie. You no longer want to walk in this self-deception. Would you pray this with me right where you are? Say, Father, I recognize you. You are light. You are truth. And in you there is no darkness. I thank you for shining on me. I recognize that I have sinned against you and that my sin separates me from you. I also recognize that because you love me, you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life for my sake, to die on the cross, satisfying the debt of sin for my life, and rising again three days later so that I would be forgiven and have eternal life. I want you to say this, and this is not just the salvation prayer. Again, this is an every saint prayer. God, I choose to walk in the light. I choose this day forward to trust you. I choose your grace and your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is what I want to ask you to do. If you're here this morning and this is the first time that you've prayed that prayer and the first time that you've made a declaration of recognizing your sin and who Jesus is and what he's done for you, we do not want you to just leave and fend for yourself. I want to ask you to take one simple step. When this service dismisses, there's going to be a lot of things happening because people are setting up tables and chairs. Just do this one simple step. I want you to walk over to City Central. We have a Connect card over there. I want you to just take a Connect card, fill it out, and at the bottom of the Connect card, there's a box where you can check if you would like to know more about walking with Jesus. If you will check that box this week, today, we will follow up with you. Someone's going to follow up with you this week and help you take your next step in Jesus. Please do not leave this building. If that's you, without going and filling that out, checking that box. Nobody's going to shake your head. Nobody's going to ask you to like spin around three times and do some magic. Just go and fill out a card and check the box. And we want to help you take that next step in Jesus. Amen. Can we walk in the light together, folks? Can we do that as a church? Amen.
Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.